0: You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Tested. This series explores the book of 1 Peter to learn how we can respond when our faith is tested. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. For those who are new, my name is Brian, Lee, pastor here, and we are starting a new series called Tested out of the book of 1 Peter. And I want to just take a little bit to tell you how we do preaching. Uh, sometimes people ask if if you um, are not curious, just act curious and it'll help this go by faster and better and make me feel better about myself. So we do two different kinds of, of preaching series. One is we do topical, which basically we just, through lots of prayer and careful consideration, we pick a topic that we feel like is particularly relevant and helpful for the church. And um, we take three or four, Four or five weeks and hit that topic from various different vantage points. We just did a series called My Jubilee Church. We did a series called Renew. That would be an example of that. Another kind of preaching series we do is what we're getting ready to do is where we go through a book of the Bible and we just go through it verse by verse, and we allow the writer of that book, the writer of that, in this case, a letter, dictate the the different subjects from week to week, and, and that becomes the theme. Both are very helpful. Uh, both are beneficial. So we do both. In fact, it's about 50%. 50% of the messages are going to be like a topical series, and 50% of the messages are going to be uh, kind of more verse by verse. This will be about 18 weeks. It'll take us to the end of the summer. hasn't even started, but we'll be at the end of the summer. Uh, when this ends, it uh, be a couple weeks where we'll kind of take a pause and do something a bit different. But if you're thinking, wow, you know, like you'll have to be here at every, well, it'd be great to be here every week. But this is a great series to invite new people to. They'll come and learn about the Bible. Um, and it's, it's because of the way it's set up, it doesn't, you don't have to be at week one and week two to understand week three and week four. So they can jump in any time. So it's a really great uh, way to do it. But regardless if we preach topically or we preach verse by verse through a a book we still want to pick like one whether we do a topical series or do we want to pick one main text and preach from that instead of taking a subject and you know picking like a bunch of different verses to kind of put them together in a blender and say okay here's the topic and there's a reason why we do that it's not that that is necessarily a bad thing to do it's still uh, the Bible, but we feel like it's more helpful for you in understanding the Bible if we do one main text. Because you may come here and you're like, "Wow, you know, Brian, you know, he mentioned that verse and that verse and that verse. Mention all together, and, and it's. But you go home and you're confused. You don't know how to do it. So our goal in preaching isn't so that you would be impressed with us, but you'd be impressed with Jesus and the Bible. The Bible is living and active. Sharper than a two edged sword, it will pierce through the intention of your heart. It'll get past your actions, and get into what really makes you you. It's helpful, it's beneficial, and we want to lead you to that for your good. So regardless if it's topical or a book, they both have values for for different reasons, but nevertheless, our goal in all of that is to lead you to Jesus and to lead you to the Bible. We really want you to understand the Scriptures, and there's three ways that you could... we, things that we do here to help you understand scriptures. One is that we we preach, which I promise you I'll get to that in a minute. Just bear with me. Uh, secondly is um, there's self-study, and I have some resources for you here in a second. But thirdly is we have community groups. If you're not in a community group, starting uh, First Peter, this new series, is an excellent time to jump into a community group. Uh, you, you can share your thoughts with one another in terms of understanding the text, but more importantly, because understanding the text is just like you know, step one. But the real benefit of scripture is when you take the, your understanding of the Bible and lay it over your life and allow it to change you and affect how you live. And, and that really takes a community. Um, but like I said, we do, I think self-study is awesome. In fact, I want to give you just three resources that are, excuse me, one, two, three, four resources. Um, the one is the ESV study Bible. If you don't have this, I would encourage you to get one. Even if you're not a Christian and you're just trying to understand the Bible, this is going to be very helpful. It, it covers gen, uh, Genesis to Revelation. It just gives a little bit of context. It's just, just a little bit of understanding of what's, you know, where's this place at and what does he mean when he says this? It just has little bitty thoughts. On each verse uh, or most verses, I should say, very, very helpful, very essential. If you don't have this, I would encourage you to get get it. It's big and thick, and your friends will be impressed with you. And so, if you don't have a if you don't have a big book, this is like your first big book. I so much think you should get this, and I'm going to give I'm giving away a free one in each of our five services. All right? How do you get a free um, ESD Study Bible? It's simple. You write on your communication card your best knock knock joke. And whoever has the best knock knock joke you 're wondering why I'd knock knock you see every night, Josie, my little my youngest daughter, she demands not asks, she demands that I tell her a knock knock joke, and i 'm really running out of material and so I could you could do me a solid i don 't care even if you don 't want the Bible, just do it for my sake because I need some material and so just on your communication card, write your favorite knock. Knock knock joke, and, um, you know, we'll see who wins. And you're thinking, like, oh, mine will never win. You know what? Everyone could be thinking that, and you could write the joke. It could be terrible. It could be the one that everyone knows, but you could win just because you, you gotta win. You gotta, to, to win, you gotta play the game. And so, um, something like that. And so that's just one, okay, we got more. I swear we'll get this in. Next one, please. This is, this is, just a, this is a paperback book. It's 10, 12 bucks. It's, um, this is if you want to understand the, the the letter of First Peter a little bit more. It, go, it gets into way more detail. It explains things a lot. I mean, 1 um, Peter is just, you know, f- five little short chapters. There's a few pages in your Bible, but this is, you know, a book on five. So it's really helpful. Another one, just like it, is by Wayne Grudem. Uh, very readable. Um, it goes into depth, but it's, it's not overly difficult to understand. If you're wanting more of a challenge, uh, Karen, this girl gets into it in terms of just the the detail. If you just want more detail and more uh, nuance, this is the one for you. And uh, just to say, so these are the these are the. Three primary commentaries that I'm using and that we're using in this in this series, and so if you hear me over the next eighteen months, you're like, "Wow, that was really insightful, really smart." I got to be honest; it's probably from one of these guys or girls, so it's not really me. It's just them. So, uh, but it'll help you understand the scriptures. Okay, so with that, we're going to get into it. You ready? If you have your Bibles, First Peter one. I know the scripture was read earlier, but I'd lo- be awesome if you got your Bible or your phone in your lap, and we're going to take a look at these verses together and learn some things okay so it starts off Peter says Peter an apostle of Christ Jesus back then they started letters by telling you who it was today we end it that way I think it's kind of better that you start so that way you don't read a letter oh it's from this guy I don't want that but you start right from the beginning so Peter's like Peter an apostle of Jesus well who is Peter well he it says here that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ but he wasn't he was, that wasn't always the case. There was a day where he was ambivalent toward Jesus. I mean, he slept in on Sundays. In fact, he was the youth group dropout, and he didn't grow up in the church like that. He didn't cut it in rabbi school. He was a little rough around the edges. He was a fisherman, and he was the kind of kid that no parent would want their kids around. Uh, but something happened to him. Well, what happened to him? Well, he met Jesus. That's what happened to him. He met Jesus. He had a connection with Jesus. And unlike some of the other leaders like, like Paul... His experience wasn't dramatic. You know, it wasn't like, you know, lots of special effects. It was, he had the experience of coming to Jesus in in little by little. I mean, the Apostle Paul, who was once Saul, some of you may know the story, and you, you can read it in Acts 9. You know, he's going along. Uh, to Damascus to murder Christians and all of a sudden the light comes from heaven knocked off his donkey and now he was once um, a murderer of Christians and now he's a leader of Christians very dramatic very awesome very good story to come tell here on the mic or we could show you a video about I mean it's very it'd be very moved very so. Peter was just more little by little just little things slowly changing his heart slowly changing his mind Jesus befriends him Jesus blesses him by healing his mother-in-law. Jesus really goes to the heart and blesses him through making his business explode. And it was that moment he bowed his knee before Jesus and said, hey, I'm sinful. And he surrenders and he gets baptized. He joins a community group, the whole nine yards. And I think maybe you can relate to Peter. Maybe you're here and um, that's your story. It's just kind of like, you know, it's just been a little by little. You know, God slowly changed your mind, slowly changed your heart. Or maybe you're in that process. You're in the process. You're, you know, you're, your heart's a little bit different. You're, your mind's a little bit different. But you haven't quite stepped into it yet. Hey, Peter's your guy. He was in your place. But regardless, I think it's so important to be freshly aware of how God has transformed your life. For him, it was little by little. The other thing I want you to see just in this introduction that's so powerful is that our identity in life comes before our function in life. Notice it says, Peter, comma, or pause, pause. Peter, who is an apostle. Not Apostle, capital A, Peter. It's Peter, who he was, the name that Jesus gave him, who was an apostle. Who we are in Christ comes before what we do for Christ. Our identity always precedes activity. It was Peter, mm, Peter, who is an apostle. It's, I'm a son. I'm also a servant. I have this relationship. And I have a role. It's so important. This is simple, but it will utterly change your life. Is that if you see your identity coming before your activity, if you see who you are in Christ before what you do for Christ. And I think even... Allowing for there to be a pause before you move on to what you do in life. So maybe you're Renee here this morning, who's also a mother. Don't ever be, I'm, I'm a mother named Renee. It's, it's Renee, who's, who's been bought by the blood of Jesus, totally his Who's a mother? This is huge in the New Testament. I mean, the mentioned Apostle Paul earlier. He wrote. He wrote this in 1 Corinthians fifteen. He says, "By the grace of God, I am who I am. I'm just. That's just, I'm, I am who God's made me to be. But then he says this. He says, "And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them." So he had a role, he had a function, we'll get into that in a second, but it's so important that you understand that first and foremost, who you are in Christ, that you are a daughter, that you are a son, just let your heart pause with that. Who has a function? Maybe you're here this morning and you have a business that's not going very well. Don't. See yourself as unsuccessful businessman, Tom. See yourself as Tom, who's, who's bought by the blood of Jesus, solid out of rock, sitted in heavenly places. Pause. Who's terrible at business. And that may be true. But if, if, you, leave the, if you don't leave the pause, your identity is just going to be oh, all over the place and you'll, you'll feel a certain way Based upon what you do. I mean, if you're a mother here, you're going to find mothers who are better than you. You're going to have days that aren't so good. There's going to be days where, get this, your kids don't always do what you would hope that they would do. Testimonies, anyone, anybody. Your identity can't be in other people's performance or your performance. I mean, even Jesus. You know, Matthew 3, at his baptism... He's at baptism and there's a voice that comes out of heaven. It says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. For what? What did did he do? At that point, hadn't taught a sermon, hadn't healed anyone, hadn't done anything. Why do you love him? I love him just because I love him. I just love him because. And that's the way God loves you. He just loves you because. If you're married, and your spouse says, why do you love me? And you start, well, I love you because you're pretty, and I love you because you're, you're really good at your job, and I love you because you're really good at, you know, tennis. Um, just so you know, guy, I mean, that conversation's going this way. <laughs> I, you know, I gotta be honest. you know, when I first met, I mean, these, these, I had these things that just drew me to you. But now I just love you because. And that's the kind of love that our heart needs. And it's the only place it can find safety. And we need to know. I mean, Jesus comes. The disciples, Luke 10, they go out and they do all these great things. And they see, uh, they cast out demons. They heal people. They preach awesome messages. People are coming. And they even said, I saw Satan falling like lightning. Jesus is like, hey, look, don't be excited about that. Here's what you should be excited about. Your names are written in the book of life. It's so, it's so important that we understand who we are in God. Pause. Breathe it in a little bit. Who has a function? Peter had a function. His, his function was he was an apostle. It's important to find out your fu- your function, what God's called you to do. You need to know what your function is. It's secondary to who he's made you to be, who is a, Son, a daughter of his. But what is your? Fun? How do you know? How do you know your function? Well, the first thing. There's three things you can do. You could, if you're a note taker, this is p- perhaps note-taking worthy. Number one, um, just serve generally. Like, don't just. Oh, what is, you know? What's my purpose? Just do something. Serve generally. Secondly, what do you like? As you're serving, just generally serving, generally helping people. Helping your CUNY group, helping on Sunday, helping your neighbor, helping your just serving people. What is it that you enjoy doing? And I bet you the things that you enjoy doing may not be the things that you thought you might enjoy doing. If you're like anybody else in the world. And then finally, and this is where you need people around you to help you, where do you see fruit? In how you serve, what is it that you do that where you really see fruit? So if you have good friends, they'll come alongside you and say, Hey, you know what? When you do this, man, it really goes well. And if they're a really good friend, they'll also say, When you do this over here, it's okay, but it's not as good as this over here. And you begin to find that yes, I'm um, so and so have this identity. And I'm beginning to understand my function in the body. Of Christ. And then he says this. He's right. He expands. So that's just the introduction. We'll, it'll move a little faster. He says, To those who are the elect exiles of the dispersion, there is a moment where, not just a moment, but there is through persecution, uh, the believers were scattered. In fact, other translations say that they were scattered throughout the region. This is a region in Asia. And so one of the things he says here, and we'll break this down a little bit, he says that we are elect, that we have been elected. Just like you we're having in the middle of all the, the political season that seems to go on forever, and st- we still got—I don't know how many more months. You know, I think in England it's like six weeks long. Wouldn't it be nice? Um, but if you, in being elected, means to be chosen, it, and that's what he's saying—that we that we are chosen—that the reason why we, you and I, if you're here this morning, you're a Christian. The reason why you're a Christian is because you have been chosen. Not that you chose, it's not so much that you chose him, but he chose you. And we are chosen, it says, according to the foreknowledge of God. I mean, he, he, he chose you uh, in, in an eternity past. You know, whenever, you know, whenever the world started, whenever that was, before that, he chose you. It's just a, <laughs> he chose us. And it says, in or by the sanctification of the Spirit, meaning the way that we experience the choosing, the way that we kinda, we're kind of confident that we have been chosen, is through the work of the Spirit. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, it says that the Spirit testifies that we are sons and daughters of God. So it's a work of the Spirit in your life. Or you can even look, it's, it says the sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification means becoming more like Jesus. So when you're, you know, you've been a Christian, you know, oh look back oh six. Six months ago, I'm different than I was six months ago. That, you, that's your experience of his calling in your life, his, uh, what's called the election in your life. It's through that. And then it's for, the purpose of this is for obedience to Christ Jesus. But let me say this. So the theme that we've given First Peter is tested. And he's writing to a group of believers who are under this fiery trial. And we'll get to, well, this, this topic will come up several times as we explore this letter together, but they 're under this trial and he 's trying to encourage them and uh, from all these different vantage points and one of the things he 's going to encourage them in, in, in not losing heart is that they, he needs to he 's right from the get go he wants to remind them that they are chosen and if you 're a Christian here this morning, he wants to remind you that you 're chosen, and this is one of the things that 's going to help you face the the ups and downs of this world, and we are chosen. Uh, Not because we're awesome. Just to get that out there. In fact, the Bible says you're not awesome. And it goes goes the other way around. It says, I didn't choose you because you're awesome. I didn't choose you because you're the best because you're the least. I didn't choose you because you're the smartest because you're not. I didn't choose you because you're the strongest because you're the weakest. It it says that we are chosen people, not a choice people. The choice people are the the pious ones. The choice ones are the hardworking ones. The choice ones are the smartest. You're not choice people, you're chosen people. And knowing that you're chosen is awesome because there's a few reasons for this. Another, no taking opportunity. One is because that he who began a good work in you will finish it. When God initiates, what God initiates in your life, if you understand that, w- that God is the initiator in this relationship, what he initiates, he finishes. The things that you initiate, not so much. How many here are still, like, working on their New Year's resolution? Like, you still got that intact. Yeah, it didn't take long. Oh, there's one. We don't like you. And, um, just kidding. Um, he, second reason is that if he chose you, he won't lose you. That's helpful to know. John 6, 39 says that. He says, I'm not going to lose anyone. Those that I've chosen, I'm not going to lose. So if, if you understand that God has chosen you, He won't lose you. He won't lose you. So that's, that's helpful to know. But I think the, the one that really helps in this context is if He chose you, He can calm your fears when the waters get rough. Now there's this unwritten rule in marriage that you do not watch a movie that you both, that you haven't seen separately. So like with my wife... I can come home late from work without telling her. I can leave the toilet seat up, but I do not watch a movie that she hasn't seen. Like, I just don't, that's like, you don't do that. And um, we got to watch it together. We got to experience this thing together. If you've seen it, my only immunity is if I take an international trip and it's just like, you pretty much have to watch a movie when you're on a plane that long. And so that's the only chance that I do that. And so if there's a movie, though, that I have seen, like if I saw it on a plane or something like that, um, and she hasn't seen it. And we we like uh, movies with suspense and drama. So it probably, if we're watching a movie like that, and I've already seen it, but but she hasn't. And so we're on the couch, we're watching the the, uh, the movie, and she's like, oh, oh, oh. She's like all nervous about how it's going to look out. And like, oh, it looks like the main character's going to die, and then he's not going to die, he died, and or, or, you know, this person. They get, What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And so she's all tense, and I'm just like, huh. Eh. You know. I know, I know how this is going to end. I know, I know what's going to go on here. Now, if she wanted to, in her, if she wanted to relieve her anxiety in that moment, all she has to do is turn over and look at me and see that I'm okay with what's happening. Now, why am I okay with what's happening? I have foreknowledge of this movie. I know how the movie's going to end. I know it's going to end and it's going to end well. And so if she's all tense about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? She can look over at me and see that, hey, I'm okay with things because I know it's going to end well in the end because I have foreknowledge. For those of us who are Christians, those of us who are a part of the elect, the ones that God has chosen, that when you go through tough times, and you, and you have your job and you have your relationships and it seems what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh. All you have to do is look to the one who has foreknowledge of how it's going to end out, to end up. And you know the plans that he has for you for good. You know that he's going to work out all things for your good. And having this understanding that he has chosen you by his foreknowledge is so reassuring. And Peter's telling this group of believers, to be quite honest, who's experienced way more ups and downs than we probably do. Hey, one of the things you need to know is that you are elect, you are chosen, and that's going to calm the seas in your life. But he doesn't just say that we're elect. He says we are elect exiles. We're elect exiles. And this is, this again, this is a major point of Peter. When we get into this letter more fully, especially in chapter 2, we're going to wrestle with this tension where, that we're these elect exiles. And, and, and one of the things that Peter, what it means to be an exile, it means that when you're in exile, um, probably a better translation for this, so that they're like uh, the NASB does, is it says that we are uh, resident aliens or we, we, reside, we uh, reside as aliens that we are exiles in this world. That when you become a Christian, that your citizenship is, you're no longer, you cease to primar, uh, primarily no longer be an American or Hispanic or what Asian or whatever. Your citizenship is not of this world. You take this new citizenship in heaven, and you are an exile in this in this world. And, and that's one of the things that he's saying. He's saying that you are a resident alien. Well, maybe, I don't know, some of you may be a resident alien, or you know that, like in, in this country. And if you are, it, it means that, you, that you're here, but you're more than a tourist. You're not just kind of coming through America. You are you reside in America. Uh, you live here. You have a work visa. You have a green card or whatever. You have a job. You know the language. You're a functioning part of society. You have neighbors and friends. And so you have residents. But on the other hand, you're not from here. You're, you're a foreigner. You're an alien Your citizenship is from someone else. So you may have friends here and they may even like you, but they still think you're kind of (laughs) weird because you have different customs. You have different ways of doing things that are foreign to the way that things are done here. You don't share their values. And even though that you have residents here at the moment, you have residents here at the moment, you're not going to be here forever. You're you're from somewhere else. Your passport is from somewhere else. And Peter, right out of the gate, said, this is what a Christian is like. They are elect, and they are exile. They're elect exiles. We are resident aliens in this world. We are exiles in this world. And we may, we have, we may have friends, uh, we may have neighbors that like us, but they still think we're kind of weird. Because we do things just a little bit differently. We're engaged with what they're engaged with, but we go about it in a different way. And Peter's like, that's what a Christian is. So what are the implications? Well, the implications is that this isn't your home. You're you're not home. You're you're on your way home, okay? You're you're a pilgrim. You're on your way home, but you're not home. When you become a Christian, uh, you take on this new identity, and you embrace these new set of values, but there's a sense to where you haven't arrived yet. You're still in process. You're on your journey. So when you become a Christian, you don't don't just, like, go to heaven. Anybody notice that? And... um, but you're on your way there. Your citizenship is from heaven, but yet you're still here. So there's a sense to which you get clarity on why life isn't always satisfying. There's, it doesn't always feel right. You struggle. Um, and the reason why is because you're not home. What is home? Well, like I, I travel and... I stay at some places. Some places are really nice. and They have, you know, nice, uh, nice hotel room, nice, nice bed, um, nice food, nice stuff. But it's, it, it's still not home. It's, not, it's a nice chair. It's just not my chair. And I, I, I have got this, this blue chair at my house, and it's not the best chair. You may not like it, but I like it. It fits me. And, you know, we, we bought a new house about ten months ago. And it wasn't until just a few months ago that my wife would say something like this. She would say, it's starting to feel like home. When we first were here, it just, I didn't, didn't, you know, our furniture didn't fit. I don't even know what this means, but our furniture didn't fit in here. It's, what do you mean it didn't fit? It didn't fit, you know, the, the colors are different. It doesn't, and now as she begins to manipulate the environment to fit us, and so now, like by her bedside, she's got everything that she needs that fit her. And on my bedside, I've got everything that I needs that I need that I need to fit me. In our bed, you know, it's I mean, there's 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 no bed like your bed. Our bed fits us. And When I say fits us, I mean it literally. Fit. There are like these craters in our bed. Like we've got. <laughs> We've got Mama Bear Crater, we've got Papa Bear Crater. And it's just like, it fits us. And that's what home is. Home is a place that fits you physically and emotionally. And from cover to cover, the Bible says, hey, we're exiles in this land. Abraham, God calls him away from his home, and he's an exile exiles in Egypt, exiles in Babylon. Why? Well, because in the garden, there was a day where we were at our home. We were in the manifest presence of God, but we were exiled because of sin, and that is the condition of every human being. We are, everybody is an exile in this world. We, we don't live in the world that we, that fits us. Now, some, if you're here this morning and you don't believe in God, you don't believe in the Bible, and you think this world is all that there is, the irony of that is that you don't know why you're so unhappy. I can tell you why you're so unhappy. You don't belong for this world. You are an exile. This isn't your home. If you believe that this world, all there is, and, and we got here through natural selection, through evolution, you know, adaption to our environment, You think that somehow we've evolved to fit this world. But if we've evolved to fit this world, why are we so unhappy? And why is that not getting better, but it's actually getting worse? Why is it that when someone dies, we're not just like, oh, well. You know, I I spent, you know, I, I love that person a lot. But, you know, hey, it's what happens. How come we haven't, how come we haven't evolved to the place to where death fits us i I would say that as we've as we've so-called progressed as a society we we deal with death a lot worse than maybe we used to in fact there's a sense we expect to be immortal when suffering comes when sickness comes when just like why is it why haven't we adapted to that Why is there a sense in us, we're like, this shouldn't be this way. Why is it we're at a funeral, we have those emotions. It shouldn't happen this way. It shouldn't be this way. It's almost as if our soul remembers Eden. It remembers our true home. The reality is, the reason why you're so unhappy, the reason why you chaff at pain and suffering and you don't welcome death, which is necessary for us to evolve through evolution. Why doesn't death sit well with you? Why are you so in? Ha- You're in exile. This isn't your home. See, the Bible says that you were crea- that each one of us were cr- created in the image of God, and we were created for this purpose—to be in f- deep, intimate fellowship with God. That we were created to be in his presence. Now, what happened is sin entered into the human equation and caused us to be exiled. And God put something, he put something in us to always want to go back to our home. And so we say things like death shouldn't happen, suffering shouldn't happen. You know, we got to do something about the condition of the world. What's, What's driving that? What's driving that is the fact that you long for a world... That quite frankly, it starts out that way, and it ends that way. There will be a day, will there be no death, no, he'll wipe every tear from our eye. And it says that his presence will cover the earth as the water covers the sea, and we'll be at our home. Psalm 90 says our home is in the arms of God, that God is the dwelling place of man. And so if you're not a Christian, you're in exile too, you just... You don't know it yet. If you're you are a Christian, you are an exile, but you're an exile on purpose. Because check out what he says next. He says that you are in you are in the an exile in Pontus, in Galatia, in Cappadocia, in, in Asia, in Bithynia. So we're we're to have this relationship with our physical world, with the place that God's put us that. Uh, we have this kind of r- weird relationship where we live in this tension with culture. So on one hand, we don't assimilate with culture. We're different than culture. We have different values. We're f- we, represent, we represent a different country. I mean, in, one, in, one, uh, in Corinthians, it, it talks about how we're ambassadors. Ambassadors and a high-ranking official that, that s- represents one country but is sent to another country. Same concept of being an exile that gives a little bit more language on represent, how we represent. So we rep- we're to have these widely different values. So we have one foot firmly into you know, our identity in Christ and who we are. We represent those values. But God doesn't just take us out of the world. In fact, Jesus says they're not, they're not of the world. they got one foot in heaven, but yet they're still in the world. they got one foot in earth. And we're to live as these exiles in this region, scattered, they were, he's talking about Asia, scattered throughout all Asia. That we're to live out representing Jesus and his values, but yet somehow very much engaged in the culture around us. In St. Louis, in Kirkwood, in Washington, at the lake, all these places we're not of the world but we are in the world and this is according to the foreknowledge of God and that has some, we're going to get into this in chapter 2 in more detail but this has massive implications that it is it is the foreknowledge of God it is the will of God that you live out man you are to represent him but it's also part of God's purpose that you are not separate from culture that you actually are in culture A few takeaways number 1 you are not in St. Louis you are not at the lake you're not at Washington. you're not you're not in these you're not here by accident you're not here because well my job moved me here you're not here because well this is where i the only place I could have it, get a degree in this particular field. You're not here because my parents raised me here. You're not here for any of those reasons. You're here for one reason. God wanted you here. You're here for that reason. By the foreknowledge of God, you are in this place. They thought it was because of persecution. Per- persecution hit the church and scattered them. They're thinking, what's going on with my life? I'm, you know, I was in Jerusalem and now I'm in Asia. And I'm just like, what's going on? And there's all, I'm, I'm different, but I'm, in, I, I'm, I'm representing these values from a different place. But now I'm scattered. I'm like the only Christian in my neighborhood. I'm the only Christian. What, what's going, something has gone wrong. And Peter's like, no, 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 nothing's gone wrong. God chose you to be his. And he chose you to be right where you were at. I hope... If you want to make sense of this life, you—if you want to—if you want to reign in this life, if you really want to not just feel like man, I'm just life is this. You'll understand that God has a purpose for where you're at right now. Even when they were, at, even when the children—if you read about this in Jeremiah 29, this is the you know the big, you know coffee cup verse. You know I have plans for your good. Before all that was this great tension. They thought that they were going to be in in Babylon for just a short while. And the the true prophet of God comes along and says, you're not going to just be here for two years, you're going to be here for life. Nebuchadnezzar did not bring you here. I brought you here, says it three times in that passage. Your job didn't bring you here. Your parents didn't bring you here. Your school didn't bring you here. I want you to know that God... Brought you here. You're not here by accident. Secondly, St. Louis isn't here by accident. When the rivers converged together, Mississippi, Missouri, and created this great gateway to the West, that was foreknowledge of God. When Pierre Leclide came and sh- showed up his big fur business and said, Wow, you know, this is a great post to sell fur, heaven was thinking this is a great post to spread the gospel from St. Louis, not just even in St. Louis into Missouri, but actually throughout the West. St. Louis isn't here by accident. You're not in St. Louis by accident. In St. Louis, wherever you're at, Kirkwood, the Lake, Washington, it's all a part of God's plan. It's all a part of His, it's not, even if you're here like, man, this is great, I love it here for this reason, or if you're here, I hate it here because, I just want you to know, it's a part of God's plan. And the more you get into that and embrace that, the better off you will be. And I think one of the key things too here for us to understand, is even this word scattered. God has a way of gathering his church to build into them what he wants to build into them. And then he has a way of scattering them for them to do what he's called them to do. And we do two things as a church, really. We gather as a church and we scatter as a church. We gather together like Sunday community group, one-on-one, we gather to like remind ourselves of who we are in Christ and the riches and the blessings that we have and we need to do that. But when we leave here, we don't just kind of aimlessly go back to our houses and our neighborhoods. We don't just aimlessly go back to our workplaces. We don't just aimlessly go to our schools. But we are being scattered by God on purpose for a reason. It's not to hide the light that he's put in it. Don't hide it under a bush. Oh no. We're to bring light to wherever we're at. Salt being scattered out in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces to represent another world where aliens were exiles. This is not our home. Won't be here forever. But he hasn't, we're not of the world, but he hasn't taken us out of the world and he has us here for a reason. And one of the ways that we will be able to really thrive in this is if we see Jesus who was the ultimate exile you know, one thing I noticed in the scriptures as I was thinking about this. There's not one place in the Gospels where Jesus says, hey, why don't you guys come over to my house? He doesn't say that. Come to my home. In fact, he says the opposite. He says, he says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was an exile, but unlike us, he, he chose to be an exile. And he took the punishment we deserved. He died a big death. And in looking to, if we can see him dying this big death for us, we can die little minor deaths. To do, what, to be and to do what he's called us to be and do. As we look to him, the one who left heaven to come to earth for our sake. He gives us the promise of heaven. We have that. We should live with that. That should be our hope. We should be tethered to that. But in the meantime, understanding that we've been very much called to be in this physical place for a reason.